Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is my great pleasure to be with you as we get the show started on a busy week, a great week. Good Monday, Florida State, Miami, this Saturday, 3.30. We'll get to that because Lord knows I hate Miami and it's a fun time to talk about this game. And all at the same time, we can celebrate what just happened. Florida State on its way back to the ACC championship, and that's where we begin. An appreciation for the journey that's been had, right? We remember the day that Mike Norvell was hired. We found ourselves in a beleaguered state as a fan base. We knew that times were tough. We were, as I like to describe, during the down years, during the lean years when Tom Lang was in school, the lost decade. We were the character that I created in the alley One too many leaning up against a trash can, getting spit on by the rest of the league, needing to fight our way back. And we had found ourselves once again in that spot. And so it was. Mike came in and he was enthusiastic. We thought, we'll see. We'll see what this guy can do. And pretty quickly, despite a weird COVID year and a less than satisfying five and seven season, you saw some signs that perhaps there was consistency building. There was a lack of player needed to build your roster back up and raise the level of talent. And you thought maybe in due time, we'll see a little something. Then the 10 win season happened a year ago, but even that had some mixed results. Again, we were building towards something. Some might say climbing towards something, but Florida state by and large, save for the LSU game lost to every good team they played a year ago. And that set the stage for this season. And the expectations were very high. Because you have an organization like the Battles Inn that has been able to retain talent and also for some kids who came in and acquire talent. And all of a sudden, suddenly there was a balance to this offense and defensive mesh that you thought, okay, this could work. They could be good enough. Well, guess what? They are good enough now to reach the first goal, which is to go back to the ACC championship. And why is that important? Well, it's important, A, because, again, proof of concept, Florida State continues to rattle off win after win after win. Meanwhile, Speaking of beleaguered, look around. You've got a Florida program that's fighting like hell just to try to make a bowl. A Miami team who comes off a robust six points against NC State and a quarterback that looks broken. These are all things that obviously work in Florida State's favor as long as they keep winning. Those teams keep losing. Perhaps those recruiting classes that those fan bases reference on the regular fall to pieces. Because who wants to play for a bum? And right now, Florida and Miami, nothing but bums. Nothing but bums losing at home to the likes of Arkansas. 
Arkansas' sorry ass scoring six points against NC State. Good God, this thing's not moving forward, guys. Miami and Florida don't look like they're gaining any traction, but Florida State's still undefeated. Florida State is on their way to the college football playoff as it stands today. Moreover, though, focus in. You're on your way to winning an ACC championship. And think about this. Not only will we see you in Charlotte, but you remember the last time we were in Charlotte. We went there, Tom, you and I, and others from the War Chant staff. And while we were at those meetings, it was there that we felt the scorn and the verbal pot shots, the disdain for being the loudest man in the room regarding the need to get out of this league for financial reasons, obviously. And all we heard back was, you better be good this year, Florida State. All that talking and all you guys have done is stink lately. Now, after what, one 10-win season in which you lost, as I said, to most of the good teams you faced, we're supposed to believe? We're supposed to believe that you're the team that's going to go to the ACC championship game? Yep. Yep, you are. And now it's happened. Now it's happened. Florida State's been by far the best team in the ACC this year. It's not close. In fact, ACC, your lone hope, the one glimmer of light that you have is Florida State University. That's all you got. You ain't got nothing else. Florida State is by far and away the only thing to hang your hat on. The best team in the league, the most beautiful uniforms, the greatest tradition of them all, upwardly mobile, getting better by the week, overcoming pretty long odds with six starters out week to week still, though the culture's enough to carry the day. Forget about it. It's all Florida State all the time. And the ratings show that. So the next time we all gather in Charlotte, if you're a representative of the ACC, I would say it would suffice for you to just say thank you. Thank you, Mike Norvell. Thank you, Florida State. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Ira. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Aslan. Thank you, Florida State Beat. You were right all along. We cover a bunch of bitches. You cover the king of the ACC. And you're right. It's okay. We'll forgive. We understand the animosity. It's hard when you're not number one. It's okay. So Florida State is going to Charlotte, and this should be a blast. But before that, of course, Florida State's got to get healthy to finish what should be an undefeated regular season. And that's the way I felt at the conclusion of Florida State's victory over Pitt. Warts and all, Florida State is still in a, far and away the best team in the ACC, and in fact now, officially, going to the ACC championship game. Did I detect a little bit of Colonel Nathan R. Jessup in there? I would just rather you say thank you and move on with your day. Um, you know, for me, this was a satisfying win in a different way. This is where being an NFL fan helps out a little bit for perspective. Uh, I used that example of NFL fan for the Clemson game, where it was just attrition. The game was all attrition, and it was find a way to finish. Uh, there's so many times in an NFL season for your team out there or my team, if we win one and it's ugly – you're not satisfied in the moment, but you completely forget about those circumstances about a month later. Like you don't really care that it was a 16 to 13 win against the 29th ranked defense in the NFL. No big deal. Uh, as time goes on, that wanes, that image wanes. This one to me felt very much like an NFL game in that there's a week or two a season where the inactive report is shocking. You know, it's 1130. They announce the inactives and you're down three of your top five players in terms of yards from scrimmage. And you go, well, we're just going to have to patchwork this sucker today, man. This is That's the only way we're going to get by is, is we've got to go to a different place. We've got to look a certain way on film that we'll never look again if we can get our, our star players back. And that's how it felt in the first half against Pitt. It was almost like it was a race to 17. It's like whoever can get to 17 is in an excellent position to win this ball game. 
And for a while there, it looked like maybe Pitt was going to get to 17 first. Thankfully, you have the play on the goal line that is worth a touchdown from Fentrell Cypress fighting through, forcing the fumble and preventing a touchdown. Uh, but you could see as the game went along that Jordan Travis was getting his arms around the situation, the scope of the problems that they had. Pitt's going to stack the box because we don't have our wide receivers. We're not exceptional at blocking five with five anyway. So when there's eight against five we're, or six, we're in real trouble here. This is going to have to fall on me. And it fell on Jordan's arm. And as the game went along into the second quarter, and then it was put away in the third quarter, Jordan rose above the deficiencies, talent-wise, that Florida State had due to the inactives. And uh, that, to me, is why this is satisfying. While not in the moment, it's something that you beat your chest about. Now that you have perspective from a couple of days later, you can say, all right, Jordan, you had to go to a place on Saturday you found it. You went to that place. You got the job done. Now let's get these guys back from Miami. Yeah, it's important to recognize that that you're you, you know you're missing your most dangerous weapons. Your offensive line is what it is at this point, and so teams are going to obviously take great notice of the two biggest difference makers on the field, not named George and Travis, or not on the not on the field. They're not participating. If I'm anybody facing Florida State, and I recognize that. By the way, I might point out you're also missing a dynamic weapon. And Hakeem Williams, who was really coming on prior to his injury, you're also missing, and this is important to note, a healthy Destin Hill. The lone catch Destin has, a healthy version of that guy, runs for another 25, 30 yards. Instead, he's got the hitch and the giddy up. He's clearly hurt. He's looking to get as many yards as he can and get out of bounds. So really, you're losing four major options that are difference makers in the passing game before you ever snap the ball. That's a real problem for anybody. I don't care who you are. And that's especially true if you have to pass to set up the run, which this team does because of their limitations on the offensive line. So knowing all of that, Arduzzi's a great defensive coach. He's always been a very good defensive coach. He's not blind. He gets it. At that point, he says, you're not running the football. You're not going to run it traditionally, and we're not going to let Jordan Travis run the football. The two things that you want to do, which is run the ball and run it with Jordan as well, we're going to completely take away because I believe my corners, who aren't terrible, can cover these non-starters at wide receiver for you. And he was right. He was right for a big part of the game. And that's why Florida State had to go to RPO. It's why Florida State really had to attack kind of the middle of the field on those slants and secondary things that they don't necessarily always want to do. But that's how they had to do it. They had to piece this thing together. There were moments where I thought we could have run tempo. I thought we could have done a few more things to, to, to kind of get what we want. But this is the sign to me, and this is the important part of why I came out as boastful despite an ugly 24-7 to win as I did. That's what good teams do, Tom. That's what really good teams do. They don't have their fastball on that day or whatever other cliche you want to use. They don't have all of their weapons on a given day. They're up against it. Their rhythm has been completely uh, you know, shut off. There's no semblance to what they're used to seeing on a day-to-day -day basis in practice if all these guys are going to be out. It's tough to recreate that in a game when you don't have a rhythm together. The synergy is not what it normally is. And good teams find ways to do that. In fact, good teams go on the road and win those games comfortably. And Florida State did. Uh, found a way to win the game at the end of the day comfortably. Because I don't know about you, but when it was 17-7, to 7, I thought it was over. And at 24-7, to 7, I knew it was over. So th this is kind of, you know, again – we talk about complimentary football. A lot of people tend to think that that means that a play caller caters to a defense and a defense caters to an offense. And all. 
I actually think the complimentary football in this case is that your depth, your program guys, your guys like Ja'Kai Douglas, who deserves a ton of credit. I mean, that's not the guy I want as my ace in the hole going out in a big game to be my number one, and he's not. But he's a program guy who's been here forever, who's paid his dues, who's built a rapport with Jordan Travis, who's reliable. So when the moment comes and you need people like this, you need people like this in your life, you need people like this in your neighborhood, you need people like this at your job, people that you know are going to do what they say they're going to do. People that you know may not be the rock star of the company or even your favorite person, but somebody you can trust implicitly. When everything else is acting crazy around you, do you have something you can fall back on? And the answer on this Saturday was, you know what? I kind of trust you, Kai Douglas. I know he'll be where I think he's supposed to be. At least I'm not going to throw to a spot and it's vacated because the guy runs the wrong route and there's a defender waiting to pick it off, which could really put this game on its ear. Instead, I know Ja'Kai's there. I'll put it to a place where maybe he can get it. Jordan did more than that. He ended up making two of the most incredible throws to a guy who's 5'8 that you'll ever see. And kudos again to your senior quarterback, who's also been here a long time and elevated his game and made those throws and never panicked. And I know Mike talked about that today. Mike talked a lot about the things I was thinking on Saturday while I had time to ruminate on this game, which was, you know, We've been through a lot together. You know, we didn't panic. There was no panic there. Everybody trusted that we were going to find a way. And that brings me to the final point about this game and this team and this season and the achievement of getting back to the ACC championship. And that is because they went through those bad times together. In many cases, a lot of these guys did. And because there are other guys that were added to the piece of the puzzle who bought in and have played a lot of football themselves. This is a veteran-laden team who believes they are always in the game. They play the next play. They don't worry about it. Think back to the Duke game with the pick six. Everything's going against you in that moment. The game is playing out the way that Duke wants it to play out. They're running the ball successfully. They're shutting you down. They got a defensive score. They're playing physically. And you saw no sign of distress from Florida State. None. Stay the course. Let's play the next play. We'll chip away at it. We'll get back in the game. We have more depth than you do. We'll be all right. In due time, we'll kind of figure it all out, and this thing will tilt in our favor. And it did, and this game did the same. There were a lot of indicators early on that lesser teams and teams of the past that would have found themselves in that kind of distress on the road, a pit team beginning to believe all the recipes for an upset, all the things that we talked about in the pregame show together, Tom, that you couldn't do, which is have a turnover early and allow Pitt to believe they can make a play. Pitt hits a shot play, which is really all they have to bank on. That's what they're trying to do. And yet you don't give up on that play and you get the strip and you were beat deep, but you didn't give up on that play. The resiliency continues to reveal itself every Saturday in a way that should probably make all of us pretty proud. I think this team is is as fun a team as we've had to really root for. They're not close to the best team we've had. They're not even in the ballpark. But they are a fun team who gets a lot out of what they do have. And when they're healthy, they're really good on offense. And they've gotten better, a lot better on defense. It's a team building still towards something, but along the way, they may end up, think about this, while building towards their ultimate goal of being a national championship contender consistently year in and year out. I mean, remember, 
the goal here isn't just to win the ACC or to go to the playoff. You want to do that every year, but you got to, those are stepping stones along the way. This team is still upwardly mobile in that sense. So for them, this is another step. They've got many more to take, I think, before they're a dominant team. But they may along the way go undefeated. They might finish the year while building towards that ultimate behemoth that we want them to be. They may go 12-0, and 13-0, and win the ACC. And then whatever happens in the playoffs happens. I know if they get there, we're going to want them to win. We're going to cheer. If they don't win, it would be disappointing. But I'm not really as worried about that right now because the toughness, the program stability, the building year over year, the messaging, the consistency of that, the leadership, all the building blocks to success are in place right now. Yeah, it's just a matter of if you can get a little bit healthier for this rivalry game this weekend because I think what's happening is you're seeing more facets of the offense, more weapons of the offense being cultivated through necessity. This is because you have to have them, but they're going to make you a stronger product if you can get everybody back to full strength. I mean, that's the case in the offensive line where somebody different is in there at left tackle every week. Robert Scott didn't participate in this game. Uh, Bless Harris was taking line rushes at left tackle to – in warmups, and then Darius Washington was the first guy off the bench playing left tackle. You circulate guys at the two guard positions. Uh, Casey Roddick came out of the game. I think it was for performance against Duke. He stayed in there at left this time around, and Dimitri Emanuel and Keandre Jones split time at right guard. So, uh, you, you know, you, there's a lot of shuffling going on there because of bumps and bruises, but then it's the same thing in the skill positions as well. I think one of the things that happened against Pitt that can help us against Miami is if you have Keon Coleman back and healthy you have johnny wilson back healthy and ready to go their blocking skills on the perimeter the bubble is back man i know a couple of the plays to jakai were shots over the middle of the field or outside the numbers and those are the ones that get the headlines but there were two bubble looks there that gained more than five yards one for about six one for more than 10 for jakai we haven't really run a ton of bubble this year but with the blocking aptitude that we have jakai douglas looks like what we hoped destin hill would be because destin's limping Destin is not at 100%. If you're looking for somebody who can make one dude miss and turn a gain of three into a gain of 13, maybe it's Ja'Kai. And maybe the pit game afforded you the opportunity to see that, and now he can be a weapon for you in certain gadgets and certain RPO looks, which adds another element to the field. Another guy who stood out for me early in this game and then late again with an unholy trucking is Rodney Hill. Now, that wasn't quite Greg Jones against North Carolina or Greg Jones against Sean Taylor. But if Rodney Hill is facing somebody his size or smaller, look out whoever that opponent is. He's going to run your ass over. He did it twice in this game. He should get more touches in the running back rotation. Uh, obviously, three different tight ends uh, contributed this weekend. Biscuit got the touchdown and the unbalanced look. It's just when they can get all these guys back, if they ever can, get all these guys back healthy, you have so many more options that have been cultivated in games, live in-game reps. They've seen it now to where this offense could be even scarier. It's just everybody's headline this week is what receivers are healthy and what receivers are going to play 330 on Saturday against Miami. Everybody will be waiting to see that in warm-ups when we all walk into Doak for the famed FSU-Miami game that everybody looks forward to year in and year out. I have a suspicion Miami fans are not looking forward to this football game as they sit there today. I know that Florida State fans are looking forward to this football game as we sit here today. There's a toughness about this group that whomever it is they have or don't have, you feel good about going to battle with, especially in a game like this against Miami who right now looks like they have a quarterback problem looks like they have some confidence issues offensively right now 
Uh, I think their defense is pretty good. So it'll be an interesting chess match. Mike will be ready. We know he will. He'll figure it out. But I actually want to see as the week goes on, do we get any indicators of just how healthy Florida State's going to be? You remember last week, Tom, and I know we got to get a break, but last week I kind of intimated to the audience, guys, I'm a little worried about this Saturday. We've got some, some dudes that are nursing some things. And we are very limited about what we can talk about, but I, I don't want you guys to be blinded and then go in there and all of a sudden you're like, what they, what gives? These guys never mentioned anything. I was like, yeah, got some game time decisions. I, I feel good, as I sit here on Monday, about the makeup of the offense and defense as we get set for uh, Miami right now. But that could change as the week goes along. So we'll, we'll try to keep you as much as we're allowed to. Uh, posted on all that. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Yeah. Jeff Cameron show on a exhilarating Monday. That's always true after a, a win, but it's especially true as you get set to uh, to lock into Florida State and Miami. Uh, the Canes over the weekend stubbed their toe yet again, and thus we have a 3.30 game, Tom. We didn't get our night game the way we wanted. Mm-hmm. Not sure we were going to get it with a loss there no matter what, but Miami looking as bad as they did. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I got some background info on some of the reasons why, too. Uh, CBS was the big holdup uh, for those of us who sometimes work the editorial desk. 
Mm-hmm. It was a bit maddening that one o'clock in the morning goes by on Sunday, two o'clock in the morning, which reverts back to one, and they still don't tell you what time the game is going to be. So you go to bed, you wake up paranoid. Have they told us the time yet? Because typically the six-day option happens before you go to bed on Saturday. Yeah. At any rate, you get to lunchtime tomorrow, and they finally tell you that it's 3.30 and not 7 or 7.30 on ABC. And from what I understand, it was uh, CBS was the holdup because they wouldn't make up their damn minds on what SEC game they were going to take. The moment they declined Ole Miss and Georgia, the dominoes fell, and they put us at 3.30. So that is uh, the holdup, and we will now have a 12.30 pregame show on Saturday from Hotel Indigo. A little lunchtime from Hotel Indigo should be, cross our fingers, decent weather. It won't be as cool as I wish it were, but should be nice enough, pleasant enough. And, of course, we'll all be excited. And 3.30 means, Tom, that I don't get to 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 make the announcement today that I was hoping to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would have without question, been a Category 5. This would have been a Cat 5 maintain through and through. But I seldom give out Cat 5 maintains for 3.30 kickoffs for the obvious reason that it's hard to get too plastered by 3.30. Now, in my college days, I found ways. But, uh, you know, I will say that um, most people can hang in there until 3.30. Yeah, I think this is about, uh, and you could correct me, obviously, because you're – we have a, a board vote about these things. I get one vote, you get two. So there's three total votes, but you get two of them. You have the controlling interest. But you could issue maybe a Cat 5 advisory for Friday night. Hey, people, take it easy on Friday night. Don't ruin your weekend. Wake up on Saturday all disheveled, and now you're scrambling to get in good form to go out to the tailgate lots. You are speaking to something that is near and dear to my heart, and I have been guilty of for all of my adult life. I fail miserably. So the day before a vacation, I'm so pumped about the vacation that I get plastered celebrating that I'm going on vacation and I wake up on the actual day of the start of the vacation feeling like ass because I was so excited about this vacation. I do it all the time. If I fly to meet a buddy somewhere and we come and he picks me up at the airport and we're all pumped about the weekend that is, and we're going to be going to a game. And you know, uh, this happened to me the last time we played Virginia on the road. I fly into Washington, DC. I got a dear friend that lives there. I love DC. I'm there quite a bit. We have a big time. We go out in Washington, DC. We end up on his back deck, hanging out, smoking cigars, drinking some really good wine, getting talking about all the big day in Charlottesville tomorrow. We both wake up hungover as hell and have to drive to Charlottesville. This is the silliness that happens when you are anticipatory with great enthusiasm. And I have it every year for Miami. Now, luckily for me, as somebody who has to do the pregame show, and I'm now in my 50s and married with kids. I can temper things the way I need to temper things, even during Miami week, because I have to, and I have real responsibilities. But if you're a student now, I know it can be tough. It can be tough. Um, You know, I remember one of the epic weekends. I somewhat remember one of the epic weekends of my college time was Monday night, Labor Day weekend against Miami. That's a problem because people arrive on Friday. Mm. You don't play the game until Monday. I mean, you're calling, you're tapping out on Sunday. You're like, good God, what have we done with all this partying? And uh, that that's its own animal. This is not quite the same. But I will say the high school football season is wrapped up for you on Friday nights. Is that correct? It's done? Yeah, that's done. But he made the basketball team. And so now we have basketball all the time. But the, the season hasn't started. It just practices. So on Friday night, you do need to be a little bit more careful. We can say yes to an extra Guinness at Corner Pocket, but not four extra Guinness. You know, just just stop at the at the one extra Guinness because you don't have to race over 
I don't have to raise it. They, they won their final game on Friday night in an exhilarating fashion, 45-41. Leon finished with a winning record, 6-4 this year. How long did that game take? Four hours? Oh, my God. It was a great game. It was truly a great game. Like, you know, even though my son's on the team, I don't love high school football as a grown-up. I haven't. I know a lot of people do, but I'm not one of them. Um, and uh, and so I was like, okay, another Friday night at the field here until uh, 9, 10 o'clock on a Friday. It was a great game. I had an awesome time. It was fun, back and forth, back and forth. And Leon pulled it out in 145-41 and secured a winning season for the first time in years. So I was really excited for him and his teammates and the coaches and everybody who worked hard. You know, Shannon Baker, former Knoll wide receiver, and a good one at that, is his receiver coach. And he had great things to say about Bryce. So I was over the moon because it was his birthday weekend as well. So that was cool. Very outstanding cool. you don't yeah. have to run to 45 41 this weekend though so it's you know if we just want to spend a little extra time together soaking in what is the fsu miami game i saw somebody put in the chat uh that this reminds them of the 90s because in the 90s they were more in the afternoon than they were at night a lot of um, noon kickoffs and 3 30 kickoffs that's absolutely true um yeah i missed the uh uh, I, I miss the night games against our biggest opponents. I would like that to normally be the case, but you know, they're right when they bring that up. Um, you know, those three thirty games against Miami back in the nineties were pretty consistent. And I remember walking into that stadium with friends, speaking of, uh, an advisory, some who did not heed said advisory the night before and watching them struggle, bust their way into that stadium saying, dude, you got to get it together. Hey, you're going to want to remember the game. B, it's Miami. You you got to be locked in. We got to be loud and obnoxiously so during this game. So uh, this is this is the one. So from the vices of thirty years ago to the vices of now for you, um, what did you think when you saw that it was between fourteen and fifteen points the initial spread as it was released last night? Uh, I actually oddly did not. Uh, I don't know that I batted an eyelash. I'm looking at this Miami offense, and I'm saying, how are they going to score? Now, they have a good running back, and they have a good offensive line in the run game, but they have a quarterback right now who's just not seeing it, and if anything, he's seeing ghosts. I don't know if they can start Tyler Van Dyke in this game if they want to win it. Uh, now, their, their options aren't good. You'd have to start the freshman, which is not ideal coming into Doe Campbell. Uh, you know, to have to have that experience as a freshman would not be easy. But when you go back and watch Miami and NC State, and then really go back, to, think about Van Dyke now for a second as we look ahead to this game. Uh, he was 21 of 38, which is 55%. He had 173 yards passing, no touchdowns, and three interceptions. Um, he's thrown 10 interceptions his past four games. Those games are against Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Virginia, and now NC State. Um, he also lost a fumble on Saturday, Tom. He's not scored a touchdown in the last two games. Pro football focus, I know. I'm not a huge pro football focus guy, but I think you can get a good cursory kind of surface level glimpse of how a guy's playing uh his his worst grade of his career 42.1 last weekend and that was on the heels of some other really bad grades for him lately he's trending in the wrong direction yeah. so he's certainly not walking into this game with a high degree of confidence i don't know how he could be he hasn't earned it on the field this year and then i think in addition to that i believe he's banged up and i think he's looking to protect himself in ways that really limit your offense. There's a play this past game where he just volunteers a sack. 
He's got great protection. He's in the pocket. His first read's not open. He does the right thing. He looks, he looks at option one. He goes to number two. He still has time. Now, I'll grant you that if you're in the pocket for three and four seconds, your internal clock starts to go. So he moves up. He does the right thing. I mean, if you watch the play, it's crazy. He does the right thing. He steps up into the pocket. He doesn't try to back out like you see a lot of guys who are scared do. He backs. He steps up in the pocket. There's still nobody there. It's that good a protection. He had time to go to his third, dare I say, fourth option. And you know what he elects to do? Take a seat. He falls down. Mm. He, I don't mean he trips. He chooses to go to the ground because he thinks he's about to get hit. I don't know. He could be protesting the end of the Georgia Tech game, and that was his moment to protest. And see, <laughs> this is what happens. This is what can happen when you decide to put your fanny on the deck. The clock keeps on ticking. Uh, I think what you're seeing, and I think you're right, you take a look at the flak jacket, the back protector he's got on. He's got a lot it's, going on. The physical issues are affecting the mind. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of Van Dyke like in depth, but having the opportunity to catch a good portion of that game on Saturday because it at least featured some defense. The uh, two games we needed to feature defense featured none from the teams we were rooting for in LSU and uh, well, USC. LSU defended anybody at any point this year. They're never and, going to. And neither is USC, and they def they finally fired their guy, Grinch. Um, but there were times where if he just looked at the other half of the field, something is wide open, and he couldn't bring himself to go over there. You know, this is just – if you're if you're Van Dyke or his family, it's a shame that Rhett Lashley and you could not have stayed together because they were so in sync, those yeah, two. Yeah, they were. They were they, game, were, going. Yeah. they saw the game the same way. Like Norvell and Travis see the game the same way. He did, but you're changing coordinators so often in his career, and now he's got the physical issues. If I'm Alex, or sorry, if I'm Adam Fuller, I'd dial it up all night. I want to see how willing he is to go make some plays and how willing he is to stand in there because that's what we did to him the last time he came up here. He was lights out the entire season. He comes up here, and he was scared in the first half of the, uh, the matchup here in 2021. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they don't. They they lack weapons on the outside. Restrepo's a good player, but he's not a great player. He's not a game changing player. They have no other receiver that scares you. They do want to run the ball. Florida State should stack against the run and provide pressure against the pass. I think this is uh, defensive one hundred and one type stuff for Florida State that they've been doing. You know, we've known basically after the Boston College game, Adam Fuller learned his lesson. I mean, they dial up pressure after pressure after pressure against every quarterback now, and they should. You speed them up, and you get in his head. It's how this team plays defense best, downhill. Um, you know, otherwise, Florida State's not good playing back. They don't, they don't do a good job with that. So I think that this falls right into what you want. A, a quarterback who's second-guessing himself, who's limited in terms of the weapons he can turn to, who doesn't trust what he's seen, who thinks he's got – I mean, he sees ghosts everywhere – well, let's give them some real players, not ghosts, but here's some real players. Here's real pressure, not fake pressure. This is not symbolic pressure. This is real pressure. And let's see how he responds. He's not doing a good job of responding right now. So the question I would ask, again, as you're looking at the two touchdown spread, would you grade this, Miami, just from what you've seen, as an equal challenge, a lesser challenge, or a greater challenge for Florida State in the trenches with what Miami has on both sides? Relative to the Duke game, relative to the Duke game, what do you think? I, okay, so I think that that part of it's similar. I actually think Miami's defensive line is very good. There's some defensive numbers. I know you've checked some of these numbers. You've looked at their advanced metrics. Miami plays defense now. 
they, they do do that. Uh, they are against the run, a top 25 team EPA. Their success rate is a top 20 team defensively against the run, against the pass. Uh, they are a top 50 team. So if you're top 20 against the run and top 50 against the pass, your overall defense, by the way, um, is top 30 in success rate. If we're just looking at some basic numbers, Tom, uh, they, they, they're good. Their defense is legitimately good. The problem is their offense isn't. Their offense really struggles. Now, if they can run the ball, it changes things, but you got you got to believe Florida State's going to be helping on stopping the run. Agreed. They do have some backs that will bring it, though. And, oh, and that, it, they got some backs now. They do. Yeah. yeah. There's not a whole lot of dancing in the backfield uh, from from what they do. So it's interesting. I just I thought that was going to be more of a 10, 10 of a number than, than a 14 or 15, but that's got to be mostly about the quarterback. Um, we'll see, though. I, I'm I'm really excited for this one because it follows form in some way. It seems like since the bye week, Florida State has played opponent after opponent that's not great on offense, but is pretty good on defense, or at least they can they can compete with you drive for drive. Um, and now this is another one of those examples. But Miami does have a couple of playmakers that will push us even more than I don't know. Maybe since Duke's running back core is that the closest thing they've had to a game opponent in the skill position Restrepo's good and the running backs are good. I mean, that's still not a lot, man. I mean, <laughs> that's still not a ton. No, I mean, it's, it's another one in the line of your opponent has a better defense than they do in offense, but yeah, yeah, no, that part is, yeah, that's 100%. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't fear this team all that much. You remember last year before we beat them 45 to three, I, I first guessed it. I got out in front and I told you we're going to kill Miami. If you're asking me, do I think it's that kind of a game? Not necessarily. They're better than they were a year ago. But are they are they appreciably better? In some areas, the line of scrimmage is one of them. The line of scrimmage is one of them. And that's a pretty important area. But they're being betrayed by the, the guy that pulls the trigger. Yeah. And so, you know, I, th this has been a weird dance because they improved the area that they had to get better in on offense and defense, on the lines of scrimmage. That's where they had to get better, and they most assuredly did. They've gotten a lot better on the offensive line and a lot better on the defensive line, and yet the quarterback is now shrinking in these moments. And Mario Cristobal is not a good game day coach. He never has been. Mario, you talk about shrinking in the moment. Mario struggles to see it, uh, the big picture of things. Mario struggles to see it, and he allows teams to be in games that they shouldn't be in, and that's how disasters happen. You know, ask Jimbo Fisher. He does it every week. Uh, every week he finds ways for games, teams to be in games that they shouldn't be. And, oh, by the way, he's now lost nine straight road games. His record is still worse than that of Kevin Sumlin, who was fired before him. I don't know how in the world they're going to keep that guy at this point. It's a beautiful thing to, to watch play out. Right now, a lot of cool things are happening in the world of college football as it pertains to what Florida State wants to happen, what Florida State fans want to happen, both to their own program and to all the others that we hate. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit fsuhomeloans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. I was calling through the festival way out west. I was thinking about love and the acid test. At first, I got real dizzy with a real rocking gang. 
that buzz that's in the air that everybody gets excited about, that we all get pumped up to experience time in and time out. And this rivalry never gets old for me, especially when you're on the right side of it, when you're not walking in with a doom and gloom mindset, but rather one of, all right, today's the day that we get to go ahead and uh, affix this beat down on our rivals and, and make sure that um, there are no mixed signals as to what's happening currently between the two programs. And you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, you have a chance to add to Miami's woes, which right now is important because we get into the other battle and it's the one off the field. It's about recruiting. Florida State is, as I said, in the outset, a work in progress. They're worlds better off than they were two years ago. They're a better team than they were a year ago, but they're not all the way back. There are areas that have to get improved, that have to be fortified. You're going to have to do it in recruiting, and you're going to have to do it in the transfer portal. So when you think about that matchup off the field, you need to think about all of the ways that you can make it that much more difficult for Miami and Florida in particular to secure the services of athletes that you might want. And one of the ways you do that is obviously beating them over and over again and adding to the losses in the ledger and putting a perception on them that they're nowhere close to where you're at as a program. You want to you want to build that chasm and make it greater and greater no matter what positivity that a Mario Cristobal or a Billy Napier tries to sell, make the evidence so loud so viable that nobody could possibly believe that to be true, right? And you do that again by moving to 10-0 and beating your rival for the third straight year and doing it convincingly and then perhaps talking to some of those recruits who are thinking to themselves, I don't know, I may want to go to Miami, I may want to go to Florida. No, why would you want to do that, son? We're 10-0. These two programs are fast-tracking their way into nothingness. Hell, Florida may not even go to a bowl game this year at this juncture that catastrophic loss to uh, Arkansas over the weekend puts them in a, a less than enviable position with what remains on their schedule. We were talking about that earlier, but think about it. If you're Florida's remaining games are against LSU on the road. Good luck at number 12, Missouri. And then they play Florida state. That's a recipe to go sub 500 and not make a bowl for the first time since 2017. And I think that's about to happen. Meanwhile, Miami could go limping down the stretch as well. So uh, you got your opportunities here. Yeah, they, they must be out of tissues that they can cry into uh, Florida. The fact that they don't have a cupcake the week before they play us, which they had long before we ever did. And the fact that they had to start their season with an out-of-conference road game that's out of the state of Florida. Like, wow, what an interesting year for the Gators. How uncomfortable they must feel to finally do something that Bobby Bowden did dozens of times in his tenure at Florida State. Sure. Cowardly cowardly institution is Florida and, and finally they get to see how hard it was to do what we did for as many years as we did at Florida State but to the team at hand in Miami this gets fun because you know if they had won we talk about this one when we get close to the beginning of the season you know do you like four weeks do you like 27 days do you, you know what feels better what's the number that feels better for you had Miami not you know laid an egg and played horribly up at NC State they would be 7-2 and two coming into town this weekend. A chance to win 8 out of 10 games, and one of those losses being a fluke that the head coach perpetrated on them. I mean, an unbelievable crime mm -hmm. in football, but they would have absorbed that. They, they could be 8-2 and two if they score a landmark victory over Florida State. Well, 7-2 and two sounds a hell of a lot better than 6-3 and three because now they could leave the building on Saturday night, and they should, at 6-4 and four, with Florida State at 10-0. and oh. 
doesn't that feel like the chasm that you're speaking of? The gulf yeah. that you're, you know, seven and three to ten and zero, oh, six and four to ten and zero. Oh. What a great pitch for Mike Norvell and the Florida State coaching staff if they could take care of business on Saturday because it's a recruiting weekend where the the recruits throughout the region are going to be watching to see if they care about both of these schools. But then there are going to be over a hundred kids here in person. I mean, this is a real chance for Florida State to get the, the wheels turning. And I think that's actually where a 3.30 kick is to your benefit. You could spend more time in the reasonable hours of the day with these kids after. Again, should you take care of business, now you can hang out with them for three or four hours, talk ball and say, do you really want to go play for the forest green and the orange? Or do you want to come here where we're 10 and 0 and we're about to go to the playoff? Well, and they get to feel the energy of that stadium. Certainly not something that they would ever feel in hard rock. And then the same is true of uh, the Florida situation where maybe they have a, a a good fan base in terms of dedication and showing up in the stadium, but the record is uh, is not good. It's it, it's it's now in a situation where Napier is is struggling to to showcase uh, the overused phrase proof of concept. But it does matter. You know, it does matter that you at some point gain some traction. That's what uh, we were worried about with Mike for a while there, that even though we thought he was a good coach, that uh, you have to show traction, you have to show proof of concept, you have to start winning some games. And last year uh, played out in a way that did that, and then you see their ability to obviously take a big, huge leap forward as they have done this year. Uh, I just I think the next big battle, and we really won't get into this much right now because the game itself is a big deal. Getting this win, securing this win, getting to 10-0, taking care of, of business at home against an arch rival, adding to their woes. These are all the things that are going to be on our mind all week long, as opposed to whether or not you get that 2024 kid, that 2025 kid. But you know that is the secondary battle, but it's a big one. And I, you know, I'm I'm always I'm doing two things when I watch Florida State. When I talk about Florida State, when I criticize or praise Florida State, it's the same mindset that I have. It's all matched against a championship level program a team vying for national titles, which is where we want to go, and we seem to be fast-tracked in that direction. Well, when you get into the weeds about that conversation, about, yes, how much we've climbed, how much we've won on the field, how we've really kind of flipped the tables now and become this viable entity that kids want to come play for, now you really get into the nitty-gritty of getting the best of the best on the offensive line and on the defensive line. And games like this and wins like this and seasons like this are where you can separate yourself from those two programs because it's already going to be hard enough to get those kids wrestled away from the likes of Alabama and Georgia. You don't need to be dealing with Florida and Miami on that front either. Let there be one king in this state, and then you worry about the Clemsons and Georgias and you know, Florida, uh, excuse me, Alabamas of the world. That, that's where you can turn your attention to as long as you're taking care of business in your own backyard. Yeah, there's, there's just no doubt. You look at all wings of the football operation here at Florida State. I could be official, unofficial, perhaps affiliated without being affiliated. Every wing, whether you're a coach of the football program, a booster, or somebody who's trying to raise money like the athletic director, or a member of a collective, this is a big-ass week because it's our final home game with this kind of intensity. We do play North Alabama. That kickoff was announced for 6.30 p.m. a week from now. But this is the one. All eggs in the basket, full speed ahead. Go make it happen. Very well could find themselves in a position to, uh, again, be in line to have an undefeated regular season. And that would be absolutely huge. Hour two forthcoming. Stay with.